Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is to create moments that change lives. We pray that these weekly messages will be a moment in your day that leads to a change in your life. For more information, visit us online at LifeGateBurleson.com. How are we doing today, man? It's so great to be here to worship together. Come on, how many excited to be here today? I am pumped to see every single one of you in person. And those that are joining us online, I know this is time of year. A lot of people are traveling, doing vacations, maybe even more this year than usual because of all the things that happened last year. So if you're joining us on vacation, hope you're having a great time. Can't wait to see you back. Glad you joined us today. And we're so thrilled. If you're new, we're so glad that you are here today. And I want to give a big shout out to all of our dads in the house today. Come on. Can we give it up for the dads? Happy Father's Day. We love you so much, all of our dads. Where would we be without our dad's wisdom? Come on, right? Where would we be without dads to tell us to turn the lights off and without dads telling us to mow the grass and without dads telling us to pull their finger? Come on, you know what I'm saying? Like, where would we be without the wisdom of our dads? And of course, we joke a little bit about dads and dad jokes and all that kind of stuff this time of year, but I want to be serious for a minute and I just want to say, man, there is something powerful about a man of God leading a house. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? And this culture that we live in is absent of men of God, but I'm telling you today, we celebrate not just the dads in the house, but all the men who are men of God here at LifeGate Church. Come on, we celebrate you today and we want to say it like this, there are all kinds of different kinds of dads. There are stepdads and there are adopted dads and there are blended family dads and their spiritual dads and man every dad makes a difference and every one of you men that are in this room today I want to say it like this even if you're not a dad like biologically God has called you to be a spiritual dad to someone come on I didn't even plan on saying all this but it just started coming out in the first service I'm going to say it again today I believe that God is raising up a generation of godly men who will be people who will say I'm going to lead my family I'm going to lead my children. I'm going to be a leader in this culture, in a world that is trying to constantly suppress manship, that there's going to be men that are going to raise up and say, I am a powerful man of God, a warrior. Come on, in the ki- I came to preach today in the kingdom of God, and God's going to use some men like you and like me to make a difference in this culture that we live in, right? And man, that's what we've been talking about a little bit in this series, as we've just kind of really been talking about the family. We talked a little bit about the nuclear family. We talked a little bit about the church family. We're talking about family relationships in this series. We've been doing the last few weeks called Family Tree. So everybody say Family Tree family tree. And here's been kind of the idea behind the series, and that is this, is that I don't want my family tree to be bare. I don't want it to be a bunch of ugly old limbs sticking out. I want there to be fruit on my tree. And so we've been talking about how do we grow some fruit on our tree? How do we grow some fruit on our family tree? And we've been specifically talking about a specific kind of fruit. We've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit. So everybody say fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit. In fact, we've been talking about this very famous passage of scripture in the book of Galatians chapter 5 known as the fruit of the spirit and the essence of the passage is this is that when the spirit of God is working in my life then guess what's going to happen there's going to be fruit that's going to be produced the Bible says that when the spirit of God is at work in me that I'm going to have love and I'm going to have joy and I'm going to have peace and I'm going to have patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness 
and self-control. Those things are going to grow on the tree of my life when the Spirit of God is at work inside of me. And here's what we have said is that when the Spirit is working in me, it's not just going to grow in me. It's not just going to be on my tree, but it's going to be reproduced in my family tree. I'm going to have love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and patience with my children and in my marriage and in my relationships and in our church that we're going to produce this kind of fruit on our family tree. And we've kind of just taken each one of these different kinds of fruit that the Spirit produces in us and looked at each one every week. We already talked about the fruit of love. Last week we talked about how we produce some joy in so many times when there's not much joy in our lives. Now today we're going to get down to really where it's at. In fact, today we're going to talk about something that's kind of difficult to talk about just a little bit because we all have experienced it. And here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how do we produce the fruit of peace. So everybody say peace. Everybody give me a peace sign like this. Say peace, right? Peace. We're talking about peace. How do I have peace in my family? And I think if we're going to talk about this a little bit, we have to first admit that not every family has peace. Come on, how many know what I'm saying? That in fact, every family experiences times when there is conflict. Times when there are disagreements. Times when there are arguments. Times when we're not getting along. In fact, if we're just honest, every one of us that are in a family here today have to say, hey, my family's not always peaceful. In fact, while we're being honest, we might as well just go ahead and admit. In fact, let's just do a survey here today. How many of you, raise your hand, how many of you have experienced some times of conflict or some disagreements, some fights in your family? Come on, raise your hand. You better be raising your hand. You're in church. You got to be honest, right? Now, while you're being honest, let's just take it a little bit further. How many of you, let's just say like maybe in the last month, how many of you have had some conflict or some disagreements in your family? Come on, raise your hand. A whole bunch of people. All right, put them down. How many in the last week? Come on, you had, how many of you, how many of you in the last 24 hours? Like how many of you today you had that in your, yeah, that's you. You're that family. You're the one fighting in the car, yelling and screaming at each other. Then you walk up in the greeter and you're like, oh, bless the Lord. Hallelujah, brother. I'm so excited to be here. God's so good, right? We've all done that. In fact, I know, I know that you think that your pastor has the perfect family and that we never fight. But I got to tell you, there are times when we have disagreements. In fact, I was thinking about kind of that kind of that idea of fighting right before church. And it reminded me of about a year ago, a little more than a year ago, when we were doing church online and stuff during all of the shutdown and all that kind of stuff. And right before we were getting ready to do the church online, my daughter and I had like a pretty big kind of disagreement and we're kind of getting into it and whatever and I was so glad on that day that it wasn't normal church you know I didn't have to preach I just had to watch it online you know what I'm saying and we've all experienced that before I've had that in my marriage Amber and I I know she's sitting right here you know but sometimes you know I know you think we're perfect you know pastor perfect little couple you know pastor executive pastor we never no sometimes we fight right babe I mean in fact I remember one time that we had a pretty big fight and she called me a big old baby I'm not kidding do you remember that babe she's like I remember I'm scarred for life from it I'm just saying I remember and that was a long time ago but we even have fights sometimes you know even recently like we were having this fight this last week and I'm telling you no kidding she came crawling to me on her hands and knees then she lifted up the bed skirt and said get out of there you big old baby come fight like a man No, that didn't really happen, but it is funny. It is funny, right? 
And the truth is, like, we all do have those times when we have those conflicts and those disagreements. And if we're going to be real about it, here's what we have to understand. Why do these things happen? Why is it that parents fight with their children? Why is it that marriages have arguments? Why is it that we can't get along with people in our church or at work or in society? And there's really one big reason for it. And that reason is this. We're all sinners. And we all do sinful things. And when we do those sinful things and we have those sinful attitudes, guess what it produces? It produces conflict. It it causes us to have a lack of peace in our relationships. In fact, this is what Paul was talking about in the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 5. In fact, we've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit, what is produced in our lives when the Spirit of God is working in our lives. But just before that very famous passage of Scripture, actually, Paul talks about the opposite of that. And he says, hey, the fruit of the Spirit, I'm going to tell you what happens when the Spirit's working in, in your life. But before I tell you about that, I got to tell you what happens when the Spirit of God is not working in your life. When you are living in the natural, when you have the desires of your flesh, it also produces some fruit. In fact, he talks about in Galatians 5 verse 16. Look what he says. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is what? What is contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. And they are in conflict with one another. How many know there's always a constant conflict going on inside of us? The conflict between doing what the Spirit says and what our own flesh wants to do. Come on, right? There's a conflict in us so that you do not do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, uh, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Here Paul is saying, hey, when you allow yourself to not be led by the Spirit, when you allow yourself to be led by the fruit, by our own sinful nature, here is the fruit that is produced. A really rotten fruit. And he says some of these things like discord and hatred and jealousy and rage and selfish ambitions and dissensions and factions. These things that keep us from being at peace with one another. And every single one of these things come from not living by the Spirit. But by walking in our own flesh, in our own human nature. And how many would agree with me today that when we walk in this way, guess what happens? Division, a lack of peace growing on our family tree. So what do we do about it? Like, how do, we, how do we make sure that we're walking in the spirit, not in the flesh? How do we make sure that we're living at peace in our relationships, in our marriage, in our children, in our family, growing this fruit on our family tree? Well, what I want to do is today I want to talk about it. I want to look at, at this passage in the book of James, actually. Uh, James chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up. And this is kind of where we're going to be for the rest of the time. And in this passage, James talks about this idea of how do we overcome these conflicts and how do we really produce fruit of, of peace. In fact, let's look at it in verse number 19. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, 
take note of this. Everyone should be what? Everybody say it out loud. Should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. Why? Because human anger does not what? Everybody say this word. Does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now I never noticed this before until I started studying it this week. But James uses the same kind of verbiage that Paul is using in Galatians. He, he's talking about produce. He's talking about fruit, right? And what is he saying? He's saying, hey, when we allow anger and conflict and relational stuff to happen in our lives, like disagreements and stuff to continue, guess what happens? This doesn't produce good fruit on our tree. It doesn't produce the kind of righteous life, the kind of righteous family that God would, would want for us to lead and want for us to live in. And so he says, here's what you got to do and he gives us basically three kind of keys to producing peace in our relationships and on our family tree so if you're taking notes I'm just going to give you these three things today and you can just jot them down the first one that James says is this if you want to produce the kind of righteous life that God desires if you want to produce the kind of peace in your in your marriage in your family in your relationships here's what you have to do first is you have to listen carefully so everybody say, listen carefully. Come on. Nudge your neighbor, tell him. You got to listen carefully, right? Look what he says in James 1.19. He says that everyone should be what? Quick to listen and slow to speak. Now, honestly, come on. All of us raised our hand and said, hey, we've had conflict. We've had fights. We've had disagreements. We had those things. How many would, how many would be uh, honest enough to admit it? Most of the time, when you're in the midst of a conflict, the last thing you want to do is listen, Right? What do you want to do? You want to speak. You want to make sure that your, that your opinion is being shared. You want to prove your point. You want to get the last word. You want to make sure that you are being heard. You want to win the argument. Come on, any guys in the house, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, I don't want to lose the argument. I don't want to sit and listen. No, I want to tell. I'm a preacher, man. This happens in our relationship. Like, I want to tell it my way. Listen to what I'm saying, right? But how many know that you can actually win the argument and still lose come on guys how many of you know what I'm saying right and here it comes down to this is that it's not about winning the argument it's a it's a shift in our attitude it's a change in our thoughts that we recognize guess what if I want to have peace in my marriage or in with my children or in my relationships I gotta have this idea shift in my mind that says it's not about being right. It's not about winning the argument. Instead, it's about winning the relationship. It's about winning the person. In fact, look what the scripture says about it in Proverbs 18 and verse 2. It says, a fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. And how many of you have seen that in the culture that we're living in today? A whole bunch of what the Bible calls fools. A bunch of foolish people don't care anything about understanding. Don't care anything about, about restoration and reconciliation in relationships. All we care about is making sure that our opinion is heard. And we're going to post it on Facebook. And we're going to put it on Twitter. And we're going to have YouTube pages. And everybody, let everybody hear my opinion. Let me tell everybody that I'm right. I don't care what your thoughts are. I just want you to hear my thoughts. And you know what the Bible calls that? Foolish. 
And how foolish is that in our marriage or in our relationships with our children or in our relationships with our family and people that we love when all we care about is airing our opinion rather than caring about truly understanding. And in order to truly understand, what we have to do is we have to listen. And the Bible says that we should be quick to listen, that we should be listening carefully. And it really comes down to this idea of the difference between discussion and dialogue. How many know there's a difference between discussion and dialogue, right? And how many know that most of the time when somebody doesn't agree with you or when somebody doesn't share your opinion or when you're having a a conflict or an argument, a lot of times what we want to do is, hey, let's have a discussion, right? But you know that word discussion? You know the root word of this discussion actually comes from the same root word for the word concussion, right? And so a lot of times, here's the deal, when I have a disagreement with someone in my family or friend or, or even in just in society, what I want to do is I want to have a discussion, but really what I'm saying is I want to, it's more like a concussion, like I'm going to shake you, I'm going to beat it into you until you see things my way, right? And man, isn't this what we do with our kids? Isn't this what we do with our marriage? Let me, let me beat my opinion into you until you change your mind and agree with me. Discussion is about agreement, but dialogue's different. Dialogue is not about you agreeing with me or changing your mind. Dialogue is about this, me understanding you. And there's a huge difference. There's a huge difference between trying to convince you of my way and me trying to understand your feelings. And in order for that to happen in your marriage or with your kids or in your relationships with people that you love, guess what has to happen? You have to listen more. You have to listen carefully. And how many know there's even a difference between listening and hearing? Some people say, I hear you. But guess what? Hearing only takes ears. But listening requires ears, mind, and heart. So what do you do if you've got conflict, if you have a lack of peace in your marriage or in your relationships, in your family? What do you, you got to listen more quickly. How How do you do that? Well, let me just give you a couple just quick pointers. Number one is this, when you're in a discussion with, or in a dialogue with someone, when you're in an argument with someone, here's what, here's what you do is that you, you lean in and then this is what you do. You repeat back to the other person what they said to you. You might say something like, when you say that, What I'm hearing is that this is what you're saying. You know what that does? First of all, that forces you to listen to what the other person is saying. Because how many know a lot of times in an argument or in a conflict, we're not listening to what the other person's saying. Our mind is thinking about what we're going to say when they finally shut up. Come on, right? But when I repeat back to the other person, hey, what I hear you saying is this. You know what it does? It forces me to listen to what they're saying. And it forces them to understand that, hey, I and it causes them to, to understand that, hey, I'm being heard. I'm being felt. I'm being understood. Here's another thing that you can do is that you can make sure that you are validating. Everybody say validate. Validating the other person's feelings. When you're having a, a, a conversation with someone and maybe those things get heated and the other person has, has uh, some feelings there, guess what? Just because you may not agree with their side or even agree with what they are feeling doesn't mean that their feeling that they are feeling is not valid. It may not be, it may not be true, but to them it is. They, that's how they feel. 
And so as you're talking to your spouse or to your children, you don't have to agree with what they're saying, but you can validate back to them, hey, I understand when you feel, when you say that, what it is is you're feeling this way. And all of this requires us to listen carefully. So everybody say, listen carefully. Number two, James says this, if we're going to have peace that produces the kind of righteous life that God requires, if we're going to have peace on our family tree, the second thing we're going to have to do is we're going to have to speak wisely. Now, some of you are going, man, if you're talking all this listening, when do I get to talk? Well, here's the deal, is that just because you're listening carefully doesn't mean you don't get an opportunity to speak. It just means that when that time comes, you speak with wisdom. In fact, check out what it says in James 1.19. Everyone should be quick to listen and what? And slow to speak. James doesn't say you don't ever get a chance to share what you need to say. It just says that you're going to be slow to do that. You're, you're listening to build understanding. And then when the time comes to speak, you're going to do it slowly. Does that mean like I'm going to speak slow? No, that's not what it means. It means I'm going to have wisdom. And instead of just blurting out the first thing that comes to my mind, I'm going, to, I'm going to think before I speak. Should this be said? Do I even need to say it? Like, I'm going to, I'm going to think, is this the wise thing? I'm going to choose my words wisely. I'm going, to, I'm going to speak for the right reasons, not speaking in order to get my way or in order to convince the other person. But instead, I'm going to be speaking in order to bring peace and resolution in the relationship. In fact, this is what the proverb writer says about in Proverbs 21, verse 23. He says, watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut. Everybody say, keep your mouth shut. Come on, look at your neighbor. Just nudge him. Tell him, keep your mouth shut. Keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. That's a good verse. I like that one. You should quote that one. Keep your mouth shut. Just don't quote it to your parents or to your spouse in the middle of an argument, right? What does the Bible say? It's saying, hey, most of the time, our mouth is what gets us in trouble. And it's not, it's not what we say. It's sometimes it's just that we said the wrong thing in the wrong time in the wrong way. We, we said things that, that maybe were with the wrong motive behind it. And so if we just watch our mouth sometimes, like if we would listen carefully, then if we would learn to speak wisely, especially in times of conflict, then it could lead to greater peace. In fact, let me just give you a couple of practical things that happen that, that you can apply maybe in, in times of conflict in your marriage or in your relationships with your children. Number one, just ask yourself, should I even say it? How many know there are some things come to your mind, especially in an argument? You probably just ought to keep them to yourself. Come on, you know what I'm saying? Like sometimes we get in the middle of these heated discussions and we just fly by our emotions and the words just spurt out and, and then later we go, man, I can't take that back. I wish I wouldn't have said it. I, don't even, I didn't even mean it. But we said it and it's there. In fact, look what the Bible says in, in Psalm 31 and verse 9. It says, it says, I will watch my ways and I will keep my tongue from sin. I will put a muzzle over my mouth. How many know a lot of us would have a lot better marriage or a lot better relationships if we just wore a muzzle everywhere that we went, right? Because <laughs> their mouth gets in trouble. Proverbs 10, 14 says like this, he who holds his tongue is wise. You want to be wise? Sometimes it just means, hey, I don't say everything that I think. I mean, it's better, somebody said like this, it's better to stay quiet and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like sometimes we just go, like, I don't even need to say it. 
And sometimes there are things that need to be said, so you ask yourself this, should I say it? Okay, yes, I should say it. But then you ask yourself this, should I say it now? There are some things that should be said, but maybe shouldn't be said in that particular moment. There are times when you're in the middle of, the, of a heated conflict that there are issues that you should work on, but you think before you speak and you go, hey, we need to work on that, but maybe, you know, while I'm dodging shoes and stuff, probably not the best time to say it. In fact, I'll say it like this. We work on our relationships in non-conflict times. That's powerful. Some of us are trying to work out issues while we're in the middle of the heated argument. It ain't going to get worked out because there's too much emotions involved. And so I asked myself, should I say it? Should I say it now? Number three, why am I saying it? And maybe I add even this. I thought of this after your notes were already created, but how am I saying it? How many know you can say the same thing in different ways and get way different results in your relationships, right? And so some of us need to ask, first of all, like, how am I saying it? Did I say something that maybe needed to be said, but I said it in such a way that elevated the, the, the conflict or elevated the emotion of the, the moment? Or did I say it in such a way that helped to bring and, and de-escalate the, the moment? Come on, right? And why am I saying it? How many know you can even say some things and even maybe even the right thing, but you're saying them with the wrong motives, saying them to prove a point. And it all goes back to that idea of, do I want to prove my point or do I want to restore the relationship? Do I want to win the argument or do I want to win the person? So I got to, man, I got to listen carefully. Got to speak wisely. But then notice this last one that he says, I got to learn to forgive. Everybody say forgive. You learn to forgive and, and not just forgive, but I got to learn to forgive quickly. Check out what James says in James 1, 19. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and what? And slow to become what? To become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Now notice this. James doesn't say that anger in itself is a sin. In fact, in Ephesians, we're going to read it in just a minute. In Ephesians, Paul says, hey, you can be angry and still not sin. That anger itself is not what is sin. It's when I have the anger and I don't properly deal with the anger that it later on leads to sinful fruit in my life. In fact, this is exactly what he was talking about in Ephesians 4 and verse 26 when he says in your anger do not sin and do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold what does that mean foothold you know that word foothold if you look it up in the original Greek that that was written in it actually means the word foothold actually means opportunity or location or room it actually literally in that translation actually literally means don't give the devil a guest room. And you know what? When we have anger in our heart towards someone and we allow it to fester and we allow it to stay there without dealing with it properly, guess what it does? It's like, it, it's like Motel 6. We leave the light on. You know, we got a guest room in our house for the devil to come in anytime that he wants. And how many know if the devil's living in the guest room of your house, you're probably not going to have much peace in that house. And so what do you do? Well, he tells us right there. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. What's he talking about? He's talking about forgive quickly. I'm not going to hold on when someone offends me. 
When my spouse says something, when my kids, when my parents do something, when someone church, at church does something, I'm not going to hold on to it. Because you know what happens? When I hold on, guess what happens? It begins to take root in my life. And when that anger takes root, guess what it does? It becomes, it turns into resentment. And then it turns into bitterness. And guess what the Bible talks about when there is a bitter root that takes place in my life? Guess what? It eventually begins to grow some bitter fruit in my life. And the reason a lot of people have anger and discord and malice and all of those fruits of the flesh that are growing in our, on, our, on our own tree is because we had anger. That The anger itself wasn't sin, but we didn't deal with the anger quickly and properly and so it took root in our lives and that root began to grow until we began to produce this nasty rotten fruit in our life and we're mad at our spouse and mad at our kids and mad at our pastor and mad at the whole world because we got this bitterness inside of us and it started with something that wasn't a sin hey an anger that that then took root and because we didn't deal with it it began to take over our lives and our tree is filled with all this rotten stuff and so what does he say to do? Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Man, I'm mad at my spouse, but you know what? We ain't going to bed until I've forgiven. We're not getting in this bed until, until we've worked it out. So many times, you know, the truth is, a lot of people who have struggles and problems and issues in their family that have been there forever start out with some little thing. You can trace it back, some little disagreement. That little disagreement wasn't worked through, wasn't, I didn't listen carefully, I didn't speak wisely, I, I let myself be angry about that and soon that little thing begins to grow, becomes a bigger thing and a bigger thing and a bigger thing until it's taken over my whole life and I'm mad at everybody. And he says, hey, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Make the decision, some of you need to make the decision today, I ain't going to bed tonight until I've resolved this thing in my heart. For some, it means I need to talk to that person. For others, it just means I need to let it go. I've been holding on to it way too long. Some of you, there's a division. Some of you, Father's Day is not even a celebration because you have division in your family and it's all because of something started out small. But you let it take root and it grew until it became a big fruit, a weed, weeds all in your life. You gotta learn to forgive. Forgive quickly. Now, I gotta teach a little bit about forgiveness because it's a difficult subject. And here's what I want you to understand is that there's a difference between forgiveness and trust. Some of you have situations where the person that you need to forgive doesn't mean you automatically trust them and allow them back into your life. Because here's the thing, forgiveness is given, but trust has to be earned. Hey, I'm never gonna make somebody earn my forgiveness. But man, you know what? If you keep doing that same thing over and over again, I forgive you, but I ain't gonna trust you. Come on, you know what I'm saying? And some of you need to recognize that. And here's the reason that that is so important. Because the truth is, forgiveness ain't for the other person. You know who it's for? It's for you. God wants to bring peace in your life. And this peace, this fruit of the spirit of peace is not just about peace in the conflict and in your family and in your relationships. You know what it's about? It's about peace in your heart. And some of you are never gonna be able to experience the true fruit of the spirit of peace flowing in your heart because you've got a root of bitterness that has taken over. And the only way that you're really going to experience that kind of peace is to let it go. Give it to God. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to happen immediately. 
It might take time. Hey, it takes time for fruit. When you plant a seed, it takes time for that seed to grow into a fruit. But you begin to plant the seeds of forgiveness and of love and of of patience and kindness and these things in your life and in your relationships. It's not going to make it all perfect immediately, but it's going to grow. And eventually what you're going to see is you're going to see fruit in your tree of peace. And then eventually it's going to take over your family and your children are going to grow up in this kind of peace and your grandchildren. And it's a generational thing that happens and it starts with you now I know and when I talk about this there are all different kinds of levels of where everybody's at in the conflict in their relationships there's some you got conflict in your family and it's stuff like you know you didn't put the toilet seat down and you left all your junk in my car and whatever but then there are some of you that's way deeper than that it's abuse abandonment Things that go deep. Somebody even look at me and go, oh, so you see you pastor in your little nice little perfect family life and how could you even know what I've experienced? And the truth is, man, I've been so blessed and we have a wonderful family. It's not perfect, but God is blessed. And maybe I, maybe I don't even, I can't know or understand what you've experienced in your family. But here's what I do know and understand. That the fruit of the Spirit is peace. And there's always peace that's available when the Spirit of God works in our life. In fact, the Scripture says it like this, that Jesus himself is our peace who has broken down every wall so that the two can become one. And here's what I want you to know. Maybe there's some of you that are going, man, I got, there's wall. You don't know, Pastor, there's a wall between me and my dad. And you're talking about celebrating dads, and, but there's a wall. And here, but here's what I know. Jesus is the peace who has broken down every wall so that the two can be reunited, so that the two can become one. Oh, Pastor, you don't know about my marriage, and there's this wall between us, and we can't seem to break it down. And I don't know, I can't do it, Pastor, but I'm telling you, you can't do it. But Jesus himself is our peace, and he has broken down every wall so that the two can become one. Oh, Pastor, you don't know about that person at the church and how they hurt me and what they did, and there's this wall between us but I know that Jesus himself is our peace who has broken down every wall so that the two can come together as one that when the spirit of God is working in our lives that the fruit that will be produced on our branches will be peace peace in our heart and peace with God and peace with our brothers and sisters and we just have to let it we gotta stop fighting in fact some of you right now that's what you're doing you're fighting and every one of you today, in fact, let's just do this. Heads bowed, eyes closed right now. There are some of you right now. That's what's happening in your heart. There is a fight. And you're fighting everybody. Fighting your parents. And you're fighting your spouse. And you're fighting your boss. And you're just mad at the world. Just fighting everything. What you have to understand is the fight is not between you and your spouse. And it's not between you and your kids. It's the fight's on the inside of you. You're fighting to try to keep control. But the truth is you never had control. And you're never going to have control. The answer is this. Stop fighting. And just surrender. Jesus is the peace. He came to bring peace. 
peace between you and God, and peace between you and others. Oh man, I'm so mad, I just, uh, give up the fight. You don't have to fight, because God already fought for you. He sent his son. He died on the cross, he went to the grave, but he rose up and he is victorious. He fought so you can win. The way you make sure that you get the victory that he fought to give is just surrender. Surrender.